This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Support for Talking Halos comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingles balls to the walls, fellas, listen up. Untrib pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. That's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 is proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you could use it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, smelling nice down there. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just gross. Manscaped Perfect, Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why aren't you putting it on the smelliest part of your body? Yes, your balls smell. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if you know what I mean. Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. Tis the season of Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and all your friends the best gift of all, Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off today plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at Manscaped.com. I repeat, BIGHEADS at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Talking to Halo. This is Derek C. Apollo, the co-host today, Brock Davis, for a news quickie special episode of the show. We weren't planning on having one out today unless a player had signed, and guess what? Something else was signed. Brock, how you doing? I'm doing better now that I got this news today. 
And go ahead, why don't you go ahead and let people know what is that news? Well, your Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim is now committed to Anaheim at least until 2050, maybe later, a lot later. But uh, that's the gist of it. That is indeed the gist of it. And I, I do want to go ahead and point this out because it still has to be ratified. The Angels, even earlier today, put out a statement that very clearly notes that it's not done. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Okay, go ahead. If you, if you guys are with me on Twitter or anything like that, go over to the Angels page, and you can see the statement up. Let me read it to you. All right, here's what it says. Proposed deal for Angels to play in Anaheim through 2050. Quote, we appreciate the mayor's leadership in working to keep the Angels here in Anaheim, which has been our home for, for, for 50 years, for over 50 years. Today is the first step in enabling us to invest in our future by building a winning team and delivering a high-quality fan experience. It's from Marty Moreno. Brock, how, how do you think this is going to work out? Well, I mean, as long as it gets, uh, gets ratified, I believe, uh, I don't know if you mentioned, but I think it's supposed to be approved on December 20th uh, by the city council. Um, so as long as that goes through, I'm super excited. I can't wait to see what a new stadium would look like. I feel like Marino would, you know, it seems like he's willing to put in a good amount of money. He's going to be committing, what was it, $325 million for this? Yes. So that's a big chunk of change. He's committed 426 to Mike Trout. There's speculation we're going to be adding all that money with Cole or other top-tier pitchers this year. So clearly, he is down to spend his cash, and that's a super good sign for us as Angels fans that we should be expecting good things, and we are we should be looking at his behaviors and his money spending and realize, okay, like he's in this now. We should be putting a little trust in him more than we ever have before, I feel like, at least in my lifetime that I've seen him around and seen what he's done. I feel like this is a lot of big moves lately, spending the money to uh, get this stadium uh, deal done, the my whole Mike Trout thing, the top-tier pitchers are probably going to get this offseason, and uh, bringing in the, the the coaching staff with Joe Madden. I feel like there's just it's one thing after the other that just proves to us that good things are coming, whether it be this year or you know, the near future, I'm I'm very excited, probably more excited than I ever have been. There are a couple of things you want to note about this. And that is yesterday, yesterday himself, Bill Shaken from LA Times, the same guy who broke this story, broke, you know, no noted that the city of Anaheim would publicly release its appraisal for an 155-acre Angel Stadium property, okay? So with the mayor saying that any lease or sale of lands the Angels should be at market rate... That made the appraisal very interesting. And given the fact that the angels move quickly, both sides move quickly, that tells me, I think what it tells me is that the appraisal probably was not as high as the city thought it was, but it was a good enough deal for the angels to jump on before they made any land out there publicly available for anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's what it tells me. I mean, if, if, you're, if your logic tells you differently... If you, if it's a higher value, they're going to hold on to that. That's their trump card. And if it's too low value, then they I would think they would try and drive up value by bringing other bidders in. But it looks to me like Anaheim gave the Angels first opportunity to buy. Otherwise, why does this happen so quickly? Yeah. 
definitely so, escalated quickly for sure. It did escalate real quick. And something tells me this was the plan all along if the money was in a certain range. First, basically, I me, mean, it looks like a first right of, a first right of refusal. And the angels, of course, didn't refuse. That's how it looks to me. And there are those smarter people when it comes to real estate out there. So if you got feedback, let me know. $325 million to take over 155 acres of land in SoCal and Anaheim on this site. It's a heck of a site to build on. I think already got a good deal out of this. I really do. Yeah. I think I, I think you did too. I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh, space for whatever. And I believe if I saw something correctly, since he's you know basically buying the property, he can kind of do whatever he wants with the property. Is that correct? That is correct. As long as so. It's legal. With that being said, yes. So um, realistically, I don't know what the revenue sharing would be between the city and and the angels. But if they were to – now that they own the property and they build whatever they want to build on the property, then that's going to just be extra revenue on top of the stadium, which you know, obviously if we get better players, we start winning, uh, we have a new stadium, that's all going to bring in more revenue in itself. Plus, if we have all this property additional to what we had before, at least that we could do stuff with now instead of just parking lots, then – that's extra revenue as, as well, which in the future probably means more willing to spend in, in the off season than, than we have been. But we don't even really have that problem now. But we, we might turn into who knows? We might turn into the Yankees financially, at least. You know, or the, or we're already fourth, right? In in, in uh, net worth, mm, top ten for sure. I remember off the top of my head at the look, but I would so say good. I mean, it's good. I don't think you go as high as the Yankees. In terms yeah, of valuation, but you know you can move a little close to the Dodgers. There, Dodgers are going to be the Dodgers no matter what. But you're going to move a little closer. And I think if Moreno does this the right way, what we'll really see is a state of the art stadium out there in one of California's entertainment capitals, being Disney out there in Anaheim. I just think it's a great opportunity to build something special and build it there in Anaheim. I also think, though, there are a lot of Shall I say, a lot of details to come. A lot of details to come. And what I mean by that is, just because the Angels have now bought the stadium and the property, does not mean that they're going to build a new stadium. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's let's clear that up right now. That's what's, that's that should be evident. Okay, and we'll, we'll go there to a second. Okay, and breaking news as we're doing this: Zach Wheeler has signed with the Phillies. That's wow. To so that's according to the Athletic. Um, sources tell Mark Harry the uh, he is going to the uh, to the Phillies. So five years, huh? Um, yeah, it says five years, more than a hundred. So it might end up close to my evaluation, but I wish it was with the Angels. Like I said, man, I think I had him at five and one ten. You know, I I mean, it's good for him, good for the Phillies. They needed a guy. I think he probably should have waited to see where yeah. Strasburg and. And uh, Cole go because they're gonna they would have been the ones that set the market. Now he's kind of set the market. Mm-hmm. So. I mean twenty. I mean it's it's at least the twenty AAV if if it's five and a hundred at a minimum. So I mean that's pretty it's pretty decent considering the fact that most teams are going to be paying for his future evaluation rather than what most people have been doing, which is pay for what he's done. I think it was his deeper analytics that they were kind of paying for, kind of projecting him to be 
a possible almost as good Garrett Cole for these next couple seasons based off of his swing and miss and spin rate and velocity and all that stuff. So, I mean, $22 million or $20 million at a minimum, it's not bad. For five years, it's pretty good. And by the way, I mean, if the Angels chose not to go get him, chose to let that go, I can understand why. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's risk. There's a lot of risk. There was a lot of risk with him, especially concerning his Angels. Uh, not his Angels. Jeez. See, Angels in the mind. I think it was a, a high-risk, high-reward situation. Yeah, yeah. And so it's understandable. But they really better get it right now because that was like – that could have been an ace in the pocket, and now he's not going to be. The Phillies are a fan of high-risk, high-reward, apparently. Spending all the money on uh, Harper, too. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Harper. Not his personality, but his – his production, I feel like he's kind of overrated, but that's another conversation. Well, I mean, I'll take that thing out, man. I'll say the same thing. He's overrated. So, you know, let's see what the other guys say. I've been saying that for a long time. Okay, getting back, back to the topic, let's go ahead and just get a couple things out of the way. We are still a fairly new podcast. We have been growing tremendously over the last seven, eight months, and we still, though, need your support. And if it's just an Apple Music review, we'll take it. If you could, head over there or anywhere else you listen to podcasts and leave, please, a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it and help us grow. And if you have any feedback for us on how it can be a better podcast or something you'd like to see more of, you can always feel free to send us an email at TalkingHalos at gmail.com. We really appreciate your support. And that's it. All right. So getting back to kind of like a bunch of kids on sugar right now. We get distracted. We're gone. <laughs> but getting back to the topic here, when I'm talking about with the determination of what the Angels are going to do, it's not a given they're going to build a stadium. Okay? It's not. So they hired out HKS to come take a look and do an evaluation on the site, on the stadium, and they're going to advise the Angels on whether it's better to renovate Angel Stadium or to build new. How many times okay. have you been to an Angels game in the last two years? Um, I mean, my life's been super hectic these last two years, but I believe last year I went to five or six games, and this year I went to two. But I also live close to a hundred miles away. Um, but before that, I mean, I was going to ten plus a ten plus a season at a minimum up until these last couple of years. I've been super busy with school and work. But why do you ask? Because I just want want to ask, you know your opinion on the current stadium overall. It's, it's actually been 15 years since I've been there. I'm a big, like, nostalgia and memories type person. Like, I enjoy going to places that may or may not be kind of podunk, per se, to, like, the average human. And then I would go there, and I have some sort of specific memory or connection to it. And then I'm like, yeah, I, I love this place. And everybody else is like, dude, why? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just do. Same reason, like, my 97-01 jerseys. Same thing. Most people, they're like, oh my God, those jerseys are terrible, but I have a personal connection to them. So in a way, those are kind of my favorite jerseys. So personally, I, I really do like Angel Stadium. I like the rocks. I like the waterfall. I like the, the trees in, in, behind the center field fence. But realistically, oh, and the big screen that they got, that thing's, that thing's legit. I think it's like the third biggest screen in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Super good addition to the, to the stadium. But other than like the nostalgia and the memories that I would have of going to that stadium, considering it's the only stadium I've ever known the Angels to be in, 
and you know i've been going there since i was four or five years old it's it's gonna be sad but at the same time it would be awesome to have a brand new stadium and i i honestly do think that's what's gonna happen but then again i also want to be super upset if they just did some major renovations to the current stadium but like you and i have talked about before they've already done a good amount of work to that stadium and, and renovations and, and certain additions to the stadium. Um, but I don't think it's a bad stadium. I'd, I'd 100% prefer to go to Angel Stadium any day of the week over Dodger Stadium. I, I hate Dodger Stadium. Well, um, it's, it's love-hate for me, Dodger Stadium. I, I love the site. Like, actually being in Dodger Stadium as the sun's going down is beautiful there. Getting in and out of there sucks. Mm-hmm. It just sucks. And it kind of ruins the experience in many ways. But I mean, I love the scenery there. For Angel Stadium, what I liked about Angel Stadium was the fact it was it was fan friendly. It was yeah. just a nice place to walk up to. I just like the placement of it too, and I, I like looking. You can just look right across the freeway. You see Honda Center. See the cars driving on the freeway. I, I personally, I, I sit in uh, sections five hundred one and five hundred two, which is all the way up to the top, dead center behind home plate. You know, as as part of being, you know playing baseball for a long time and knowing the game pretty well and knowing all the players that are on the field without needing to be within 30 feet to see their numbers or their names on the back of their jerseys. Never felt the need to drop a hundred bucks on a third baseline ticket. So I always just go up to the top, drop 10 bucks on each ticket. I could see everything. I get the good views. I'm in the shade for a majority of the game and uh, it's not crowded up there at all. You get like a whole row to yourself. It's pretty nice. Well, it's also indicative of how things have been though. If you can get a whole row by yourself. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, I like it there. I can. I also believe this, despite the fact that it's got some beautiful qualities to it. It's also an older structure that's been already renovated a couple times. And if you're thinking long-term, I got to think that they would want to create a more... I don't want to say new, because new has nothing to do with it. You can, you can make things new or state-of-the-art without it being, you know... Built new. I mean, in terms of how, how I say it, Brock. I think I get what you're saying. I think, I think it's what you're getting. The structure. At that, yeah, I mean, like you said before, it can only be renovated so many times until it's like, all right, what else do we have to do left? Like, until we might as well just build a new stadium. Like, especially, I believe our stadium's the fourth oldest stadium: Fenway, Wrigley, Dodger Stadium, and then ours. So, to a certain extent, if we're going to be committed to Anaheim till at least 2050, 2065, maybe even later. Well, why not just build a new stadium right now and then when, you know, we're coming to the end of terms with this contract or this commitment, we would be have probably have less of a tendency to want to move or do whatever may come then because we'd be having a fairly brand new stadium that doesn't require that much renovation, it's still fresh, somewhat fresh, more fresh than a stadium that would be from 1966 and continuously renovated over 100 years. So I feel like building a new stadium is, it's going to happen, in my opinion, it's going to happen sooner or later. I just feel like sooner might be the better option, especially with all the all the other positive things we're trying to do within the organization. Well, we're putting down the money for the property and the stadium, so why not just build a new one? Just add to the hype. Why not? Well, that's what it's got to be. You have to go in there and build at this point because I think what I'm trying to get at is that Angel, the Angel Stadium is a nice stadium. It's a great place to watch a game. But it's also a big stadium. It's not as intimate as other stadiums are. 
the way it's structured. It's got the old 60s, you know, architecture to it. The newer stadiums actually can bring fans a lot closer to the action while also ensuring that it's, it's not a home run launching pad. Okay? Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's a great example of that. Okay? I just look at it and think the Angels need to build new as an investment long term. Especially if, and I, I mean this especially if, they're going to be big players. You can't go halfway on this. I think personally they need to go ahead and build a new one. I know it's going to cost some money he's not going to want to spend, but you're talking a structure that will last you 50, 65 years or whatever. You're going to make your money back. I just don't see how you don't build that. You'll be able to maximize the rest of that property even better. It needs to be a smaller stadium is what it needs to be. It's just too big. Yeah. And it's the, it's the, everything about how the stadium is seat, seats. It's an old 60s stadium, and the seating in terms of how it's structured is just different from modern structures. It's not in any kind of way indicative of the stadium now. I think it's a great place to watch a game. I'm saying it would be a better place to watch a game if it had been modernized. And there's just certain things you can't modernize without just building new. Yeah. Just the truth. I believe we have a 45,000 capacity yeah. right now. So I feel like, like kind of how you're explaining, I feel like the capacity could stay somewhat the same or even go up a little bit, but kind of what you're getting at is the architecture and the way that it, the way the seats are laid out needed to be changed to a more modern up close and personal in the action kind of thing, especially the way that the, the way the game is going as far as the younger audience wants to be up close and personal and makes the game a little more exciting, keeps people within, within the realm of the game the whole time. You know, so you don't have a bunch of people leaving in the fifth inning and sixth inning, and and keeps people encapsulated in the game. So forty five thousand people wasn't, you know, I think even Dodger Stadium and Coors Field and and those bigger stadiums they have close to fifty five, fifty six thousand. But it's more or less how you put those seats in there and what you do with those seats um, that that's important. I also think it's going to be something kind of you know you got to think of how they're going to use it. Remember, Anaheim Stadium was also a football stadium for a long time, so it had to be built for football as well. Yeah, which you can definitely see in the seating arrangements. That's how it was yeah, kind of built. Yeah. And it was, by the way, not a great place to watch a football game. It was awkward with the seeing lines. And, and so it, get just get rid of it. As the seating is right now in that stadium, there are bad seats. You, and you're like, well, of course there's bad seats. Well, I mean, there are really bad seats in the stadium in terms of viewing because they weren't meant for baseball in that respect. They're meant for football. And there's a lot of football seeing there that doesn't work well because they're meant for baseball. Mm-hmm. And so now the football is gone. It's not coming back. Then just build a brand new state-of-the-art structure that in which you are seeking to beat Pittsburgh, beat Baltimore, beat all these other stadiums in these great cities out as being the best in the league. That's what I would do. I would go all in, and I would make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted in terms of the details of where's public transportation dropping off, what's going to be around the stadium, where's, what kind of park are we going to have, where are we going to have the parking located. And all of a sudden, you've got yourself a place you can develop over and over and over again till you get just where you want it, and you have your stand to go with it. I think it's a great deal for Ari Moreno. I think it's a good deal for the city as well. It keeps them there for... You know, to at least 2050, I think it'd be longer. They build a new stadium, they're going to be there longer. Mm-hmm. Much longer. And, uh, you know, it's just, 
I'm, I'm glad it's out of the way. How about I say that? Yeah, same. I'm, I'm glad that this is not that this is a major distraction from what we need to be focusing on right now, which is free agency. I don't, which I'm, I'm glad that this is out of the way, just like you said, just because maybe it was a distraction. Maybe Marina wanted to secure what was going on here and be confident in everything. That's maybe why it moved so fast. He's like, you know what? This is what's, you know, this, this is a good number for me. I'm cool with this. Let's move on to free agency and, and get business done like I want to. So maybe maybe that has a contributing factor of why things move so quickly. Maybe, maybe. Cut out the distractions. But I think more along the lines as the Angels jumped in there, we're realizing that there'd be competition somewhere. It was at affordable yeah. price. That's what I believe happened. Yeah, yeah I, I don't disagree with that. All right. Let's see here. Anything else you want to talk about for it? Let's see. Prove the deal. It's $325 million. No, we talked about HKS Architects coming in. Yep. Talked yep. about the December 20 is the date that the city's supposed to ratify the deal. Fourth Oldest Stadium, possibly renovating the stadium or building a new one. I mean, I'm pretty sure we covered it all. I mean, I guess you do want to point this out. This has been a long running war between the two sides for years. It always now. is. It always is. But I mean, city especially councils, here. city councils are. Like any other political political group, it's about the money. It's about benefits for them. They could care. They could probably care less about the actual baseball side of it. They're just looking at it as a profitable investment. I I think yes and no. I think the city felt a little disturbed over the Rams, not the Rams, sorry, the Angels' name being changed from Anaheim back to Los Angeles when they're playing in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of bitterness there over events that took place, saying that would be basically draining out into you know local areas there. And I just I didn't think it's a great step. I mean, I can't even express for total words right now how huge a step this is to even happen. A few weeks ago, we were thinking about this team could possibly move to Long Beach that they would pull out of their of their agreement, and now they're bound to the city until 2065 if they choose to exercise their option, 2050 definitely, and that's if it does pass council, which I can see no reason why they'd say no. Because Moreno does have options, by the way. He doesn't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. And I think they know that. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And it's 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 just a... It's kind of just like free agency. It's just a kind of a game. If they know that he has the money to go elsewhere, they know that he could go elsewhere... So he's kind of he might have been hiding the fact that you know he probably did really want to stay in Anaheim for the same reasons all the Angels fans want him to stay in Anaheim, and that might have played a factor in why this played out so quickly as well. There's a lot of a lot of factors that could have played a role, but when all is said and done, I'm I'm excited to see what happens until 2050 or later, and a new stadium might be in the works, which is exciting. I'm gonna say this though. Okay. Folks need to chill out about the whole name thing. Go on to Angels Twitter, <laughs> and they're all over the Angels. This has been clear for a long time. Bill is shaking. He mentions it in his piece. He mentions it on Twitter. But the Angels are not going back to Anaheim in terms of the name. Let it go. Let it go. It's just not going to happen. And there's no use getting angry about it, getting upset about it. And, um, 
holding the team's feet to the fire about it. It's not going to work, and it's just going to create you know a little bit of fan rebuilds, reloads on that fan enemy that has been there for a while now. The Los Angeles name was added to the team's front name, A, because it's a circle, but B, because the team felt that the marketability of the name Los Angeles versus the name Anaheim was in favor of Los Angeles. And I would dare anybody to tell me monetarily that's different. Does not mean that I think it's right? I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that if you're an organization that's owned and run, it's a business, then they're there to do what, Brock? Who's there to do what? What do you mean? The ownership team there. Moreno, what's he there to do? What's his number one job as the owner of the team? Get to get us to win a World Series. You think? I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's multiple goals as an owner, but... If you own a business... To make money. Is that what you're getting at? Yes, it is. And that's yes. not greed, by the way, folks. you got to make well, money. Realistically, World Series kind of goes hand in hand. If you go sure. to the playoffs and you win a World Series, you're going to make a crap ton of money. So I guess, and, and obviously you have the, the benefit of being a World Series winner. So it's kind of kind of goes hand in hand, I guess. With the It goes hand in part. hand. I mean, it's going to be your goal in the field, but the reality is your overall goal is to make money. Yeah. And it's not, I, people are like, well, that's greedy. No, it's not, folks. It's not. Your job as a team owner is to make money for your team. Because if you make enough money for your team on a consistent basis, then what can they do? They could spend and they could win. They can spend money, and that's 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 just how it is. If, you, if your team isn't making money, then your entire payroll goes down. You're going to be like Kansas City and Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, and you're going to have to rely solely on the minor leagues. That's it. You're not getting out there into the into the world and buying players. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I feel like uh, people's adverse argument to that would be the fact that, oh, well, the Rays and the A's, they still make the playoffs and the wild card and stuff. Well, yeah, but like you said, it's kind of a roll of the dice of their minor league and their farm system and all that, the whole shebang going on there because they're not spending money and they're cutting payroll all the time and trading high payroll off all the time because – they don't want to pay for it, and they'd rather rely on a reliever that may or may not work out that's coming up in the system that they pay for arbitration. So I mean, look that's at, just kind of the way it goes. Yeah, look at Lindor up in Cleveland, one of the best yeah. players in the game. And he's going to be traded sometime in the next two years. Yeah. And that's just the name of the game because they can't afford to pay him. It's been that way for a long time. I was honestly kind of surprised like some, by somebody that was non-tendered in uh, Blake Trinan off the ace. He sure. had an amazing season in eighteen has kind of a bomb of a year of last year. And then they're like, yeah, no, because he was going to be worth a little too much for them. And by a little too much for them is like normal reliever value for anybody else. But they're like, yeah, no, thanks. You had a, you had a bad year where you're not worth it to, you're not worth it to us. But they have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Because, because they can't afford it. Well, they, not to say, they, don't, they have such a small margin of error mm-hmm. because they can't rely on the Dodgers type of structure in terms of pay and money flowing. The Tampa Bay is going to be, you know, they're going to, they're just now finishing a rebuild. They're going to compete for a couple of years. Then they're going to tear up again mm-hmm. and rebuild again. Houston has more money available than they'll be able to spend and they'll be able to avoid it, some of it, but they had to rebuild a lot. Look at, oh, what's their team comes to mind that recently started to rebuild. Toronto had a couple good years. 
Oh yeah. Now they're in a rebuild, and they have a lot of talent there. It's it's if you are in a small market club and you can't afford to go out there and get free agents due to how much money you you make, then well, you're kind of in trouble, right? You have to operate yeah. the lower budget. You have to make sure that your profit margin is good enough to compete and win, which also means that you're careful with who you who you pay. Yeah, I mean, just like just like the A's right now. I mean, they have a not only do they have a smaller margin for error, but they have a smaller margin of time that they can try to get those playoff wins and whatnot. Because you picture, okay, they have Simeon, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. Uh, you know, Sean Manaya was another younger guy that I, I don't know where they all were acquired from, but I'd assume most of them were brought up through the system or traded at a younger age and if they don't, you know, take home a World Series within their their contracts or their primes, then they're going to basically start from the bottom once again with hopefully a newer group of younger guys. So that's just kind of the system. And it's, you know, like you mentioned, the Rays, too. Back in the day when Evan Longoria had come up, that was the, the time where they were going through that. And, uh, and then they've had a big breakdown and rebuilt for a long time. And then now they're, they're back younger again and going through their they're younger guys again, but then once they come up to the end of their arbitration years or the end of their contracts, then they're, they won't be willing to put forth the money that the players are worth, and then those players leave, and then they have to start over again. So that's that's the sad part about it. Like, imagine if Mike Trout were on the Rays. He's not going. He's not staying with the Rays. They ain't putting the money up for him. He'd be gone. So that's the sad part about the smaller market teams, but it's just kind of the way it is. Luckily, and, we're not one of them. You know, so... I'm not mad at, at Art Moreno for trying to make money. I'm not mad at him for anything like that. I'd be mad at him if he didn't take a good deal here. And I, I do believe this is a good deal. I do. All right. So there you go, folks. Um, real quick here. The numbers on Zach Wheeler are five years, $118 million. Uh, Eight that's, million off. That's 23 point, I think, six. According to my How mediocre math skills. 118. And it's 23.6. That's the report. So I'm not sure what you had him at. I had him at 5 and 110. Not far off. Not far off, no. I think that says something, though, about where Cole's going to be. I mean, I think we had a question saying $32 million overall for Cole per year. You thought they would get that. I don't think they get that. I think it's going to be 35, 36, 37 per year. Yeah, He's I had him good. at, I believe, 245 for seven, which would put him at 35 a year. So if you think it's 32, good. I just don't see. I, I no, 32 is not going to happen. No the market's heavy on him. You're going to see some going back and forth. It's going to take roughly, you know, 35, 36, 37. Now, if he wants to play for the Angels, they might take. He might take a small cut, but it's going to be in the relative area. I feel like I'd still rather give him less years and pay him more, in my opinion. It would it would hurt our payroll on a on a yearly basis, but just for a long term deal, especially for a pitcher. Trout I wasn't upset about, obviously, but for a pitcher, you know, if we were to wanna get a smaller annual value and have him still be willing to come over to, to us, then we would have to add a year and add in another thirty to forty million on top of that. Which the big number is is you know whatever, but as far as the annual value goes, I think I'd rather pay him more annually and have him for a shorter term, 
just due to the fact that pitchers are so, in my opinion, fairly unpredictable long-term. And we sign him for eight years instead of seven, you know, which seven has been kind of the ballpark of what most, most people have been saying. But if we sign him for eight, or even magically we sign him for nine to get the lower annual value, well, chances are those last two to three years are going to be pretty much worth nothing to us or very little to us. And then we're still going to be bound to paying him 30 plus million dollars in years that he's not even close to $30 million a year production. So I'd rather pay him 40 a year in years that he is giving us close to 35 to 40 million a year production. So that way we feel better about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the counter argument that is going to be, well, but if you do things the normal way and he gets hurt, then you're going to, you're going to make, you're going to have the opportunity to use insurance to get your money back. Yes, sure. But at and the same still time, lock him in. say you give him, we can manipulate it a little bit. Say we gave him six for 38 a year. So that'd be six and 228. So we're paying him 38 a year instead of 35. So only three more million a year. How much of a difference does that make to our payroll in comparison to 35? It's only three million more. And then you're getting him for one less year. So I guess that's just going to come down to what the evaluators are putting him at. I mean, the projections on MLB, I don't know if you saw them. There was an article that it came out that projected his next seven seasons. I feel like it was a little opt- little too optimistic. I feel like Garrett Cole is amazing, and I feel like he's going to absolutely kill it no matter where he goes. But for him to be as consistent as those projections were saying for seven years, that's uh, that's that would be pretty. That would be an awesome sight to see. I would love to see it. But realistic, I feel like he's going to phase out those last couple years. So I'd rather give him five or six years at a higher AAV, but just not enough to make that much more of a day. I'm not talking five years. 48 million or six years 45 million nowhere around there but just within 35 to 40 ish i'd be okay with and give him one or two less years on his deal if he takes it if he takes it there's competition too yankees are offering him seven years 280 then Mm -hmm. who knows so it's all going to depend on on what's said behind closed doors and none of us really know what is said behind closed doors I don't even know, are they, is Garrett Cole, hypothetically, I know he met with the Yankees today, or yesterday, is he allowed, if he comes and visits the Angels again, is he allowed to say, hey, me and the Yankees talked, the Yankees said that I'm, that they're willing to pay me this for this, so beat this? Well, of course they are, I'm not sure this, I'm not sure it's allowed to be, in terms of face-to-face discussion, it might be, I don't, I don't know, honestly, how it gets crossed, but the teams know what they're being right. offered unless gotcha. that side refuses to tell the team how much they're being offered. So that's like the fan side of it that, that I feel like a lot of people don't think about that like kind of simple stuff. It's, it's like, okay, yeah, you can make it as simple as, well, we're offering Garrett Cole 7 and 250 or whatever we would offer him. Why isn't he taking it? Well, because he knows the Yankees are offering him this and this, and the Angels also know that the Yankees are offering this and this. There's a lot of legwork to be done to try to beat out the competition. So I feel like that's just something to point out to the and listeners. And it's not just about that. It's also about the relationship you build the team. It's about the, you know, what you see when you're there in terms of atmosphere. It's about many, many different things. What they could do for him. Yeah. And honestly, what he can do for them too. It's not just, it sounds like you're recruiting him to play. Well, you are, but you're also, you, you're going to take care of somebody there before it's all said and done, would be a girlfriend or a a 
wife or whatever, and you need to have the cash in your hands to be able to do certain things. And if that's not there, then what do you say? He's coming to the Angels. It's a done deal. We'll, we'll see. All right, folks. Again, promise you, it actually was a bit longer than I thought it would be, considering the goal. I know, right? <laughs> so, don't forget, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking to Hillers. You can find Brock. Where, Brock? BDROX8. Don't be afraid to hit me up, give me any feedback, straight up tag me, message me. I'm open to whatever. We can have a conversation about baseball or if you have a question. Uh, if you feel like I'm knowledgeable enough to answer him, give it a shot. Message me. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find our podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And with that, we'll see you this weekend. Have a great one. We're out of here. See ya. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.